0: this is the frontier podcast powered by gun.io the engineer's choice for engineering talent if you like what you hear rate review and subscribe and follow us on twitter at the frontier pod software engineer or engineering leader what's the difference and where do you fit Corey nichols began his career in the tech industry as a software engineer He anticipated working on hands-on technical aspects of software engineering, but instead coordinated different teams and encouraged his developers to continue learning and improve the quality of code they wrote. Nichols transitioned from being a software engineer to a director of engineering at Sonosim, helping to grow the company from 20 to 50 employees. Let's sit down with Corey to find out what's involved in a leadership of engineering role that differentiates it from the software engineering seat.
1: Corey, thanks for joining us today. Good to have you.
0: Hey, good to be here.
1: Can you give two or three minute, you know, intro of yourself and your work for the listeners?
0: Yeah. And um, so I've uh, been working with uh, Sonosim for um, probably about five years now, and uh we focus on ultrasound training, simulation software. Uh, really focusing on uh, getting uh, med schools and individuals uh, the best edu- ultrasound education that they can have. So, um, in my time at uh, at this company, I've been there, um, and since before there were twenty people at the company, I kind of spread out in multiple rooms of the company, and I've watched it grow. Um, into what it is now which so it's over 50 people now a little bit larger space uh, looking to really grow the team over the next year Um, and then um, yeah I started out uh, as a software engineer um, really learning all the different aspects of the product uh, helping design and build out uh, a lot of the the web services that we have as well so I've seen kind of all the sides of it uh, worked in Uh, helping out with the support and all that. Um, And now I'm moved into the director of engineering role and um, helping grow the team and coach others and uh, help them understand um, all the different aspects of our product.
1: And off mic, you know, before we we started recording, you were talking about how there's, you know, a big difference or lots of differences between you know sort of being on the software engineer side and then being in the leadership of engineering and you actually particularly resonated with that I think but a lot of people go through you know maybe that career juxtaposition where they say do I want to keep writing code or do I want to you know get up a little more in the the management realm how'd you make that distinction and choice you know what appeals to you on one side versus the other
0: Right. Um, yeah, that, that is a very difficult choice um, for me. I, I always thought um, going through school and then into uh, my career, I always thought that I'd really be working uh, just hands-on, uh, very technical. Um, but I found as I started working with the, the um, teams, I, I was uh, we went about a year without a director of engineering, a VP of engineering role, and I was kind of gravitating towards uh, helping to coordinate the different uh different scrum teams and um trying to kind of motivate people to uh continuously improve uh focusing on uh, getting them involved in various types of education and uh, improving the quality of code and all of that stuff and so um it ended up being a kind of a natural fit um and it was it wasn't just an overnight decision too it was just a, a kind of a gradual um gradually I started taking on this other responsibility and uh, seeing that there's um, a lot of challenges in just coordinating and uh, working with the people side of uh, software.
1: Yeah. And you said the team is obviously growing and you have multiple scrum teams. So how do you divide labor across, you know, it's a, you have a product that, um, you know, serves certainly a certain or a very important informational mm-hmm. purpose, right? You know, right. That, that this training is, is really important for all kinds of people in the field. Uh, how are you arranging your product and engineering teams to you know address the different aspects of making sure that I guess it has high availability and that it you know serves the needs of the, the customer
0: yeah um so it's pretty hard to actually uh, coordinate the different teams uh because we're a fairly small um the engineering team itself is about uh, fourteen people, but that includes research and developments. Um, Kind of sysadmins and internal uh, infrastructure, and then um, yeah, our engineering teams as well. Um, but we have uh, desktop applications, so that's a little bit easier to carve out and uh, get a group that's focused on uh, just supporting that uh, application. And then we have a series of microservices up and uh, on uh, AWS, and so that one's a little bit more cross-team. The um, there's uh, the our system admin and so, some others are uh, helping build up that infrastructure and maintain our continuous integration uh, and deployments. And then um, we have another scrum team that's uh, set up to focus on all of the microservices and uh, web applications that we offer. Um, and so I think the hardest part right now is that, that we don't really have a team large enough to tackle everything at once. So you really just, Um, working closely with the product team, uh, come up with those priorities and just kind of pull off the top priorities. And those are the applications that are going to be focused on at any given point in time.
1: I get asked a lot by engineering leaders, you know, how other engineering leaders are addressing the balance between new feature, new feature, new feature, new feature, and remediation and technical debt. in addition to QA, which is really sort of staying ahead of the curve, you know? So how do you build all those things in and how do you allocate scrum time for, um, technical debt remediation? Because it's not, it's not gonna be in your backlog. You know, how, how are you dealing with that issue?
0: Yeah. That, um, I think that was a big struggle through, uh, 2018. Um, just initially, um, it was just feature after feature after feature. And um, that's what the product team wants to see. Uh, but then you start to notice um, this feature goes out, but then you have issues starting to crop up. And as that happens, it really becomes apparent that uh, you need to take a step back, focus on quality, um, kind of building in the right processes. Um, so right now uh, what I'm trying to do with the different teams is actually build in um downtime so to speak so i'm not planning from day one on the sprint all the way to the end of the day i'm working with them to just take in enough work maybe leaving that extra day at the end to uh, go through and make sure all the right tests are in place uh, all the um if the continuous integration system needs to be updated in order to support adding in new tests so that kind of stuff um so then we can really take a minute to focus on those improvements rather than just Ben in as much work as possible.
1: Does the product team and the leadership have to be in the loop on how you allocate time in order to, you know, so there's budget implications, right? You know, obviously everybody wants 50 more features than you could ever fit, you know, in a given sprint. And yet by not building the infrastructure properly and by not doing QA properly and, and even just looking back at technical debt, you know, things you want to improve in the system at large, like you can't build that foundation, you know, after the fact. So, how do you deal with that conversation? You know, sort of in the boardroom, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that that was, I think, at the beginning of the year, a lot harder for our team. Um, just, yeah, it, it really took having a few things start to um, not not necessarily fall apart, but just, you, you have a couple of issues that really impact customers, and that that allows us to actually point and say, look, there there is a um, a foundation that needs to be in place in order for us to really continue to deliver these features. Um, And the more we build that up and the more uh, testing that we can automate and build in, uh, the faster we can actually deliver those products. But um, it really takes, at first, it it might be a little bit slower, but once we actually get going with uh, building in this uh, actual continuous integration pipeline and uh, focusing on quality up front, um, it it really does buy... uh, in the long run, you'll be able to deliver a little bit faster and have uh, an improved product on the other side with a little bit more of an attention to what's going to impact our end customer. So.
1: Yeah, and speed to market, you know, isn't right. um, everybody says that's the number one thing, but, you know, speed to market with something that customers want and that actually works is is right. sort of the implicit, you know, understanding. Yeah,
0: yeah it's that, that works part that's difficult. If Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can deliver something, but if you don't uh, deliver something that works the way the customer expecting it to be, then uh, we'll just stop using the product.
1: Absolutely. So, one question I asked, you know, all the engineering leaders, we're in the business of, you know, evaluating and sourcing and and vetting to just the very best software engineers, you know, sort of in the world. That's what we do. And, and we have a pretty strong heuristic for doing that, a big process, you know, many steps and uh, just our own way of thinking about that. But I like to gather the best practices from the field, you know, as well. So, I'm curious, you know, as you're building the engineering teams um, at at your business, you know, what are your heuristics for identifying, you know, the absolute best engineers that, that you want to bring on board? Hey,
0: um, for me, um, I think it's really focusing on trying to find somebody who's going to be adaptable and, um, be able to really learn. Um, it's a little bit harder to identify those things. Um, cause you can do lots of whiteboard problems and people, uh, can sometimes solve uh, difficult algorithms and be able to implement something really quickly on the board, but it doesn't necessarily um, show that they're going to be a team player, really, uh, working with others, uh, wanting to collaborate and uh, really focusing on getting the testing done up front. And it's trying to tease that information out uh, during an interview process. or in talking with engineers. I really want to see that they're interested in uh, learning new subjects and uh, exchanging knowledge with the rest of the team and uh, being open-minded to new practices and different practices, not necessarily just, for instance, repeat everything that they've done in the past.
1: Which doesn't necessarily match everything that everybody else has done in the past, right? So obviously that collaboration is going to be huge there. Uh, How about problem solving abilities? That comes up a lot. I wonder how you um, think about that.
0: Yeah, I try and come up with um, some questions that are not specifically um, programming questions, um, but try and think of something. There's no way this person could have come and actually um, and research this or anything else. It's kind of... some thought-provoking questions that are open-ended, not necessarily a right answer, but just want to see how analytical can somebody be? Um, How do they break down a problem into smaller pieces that are actually more tangible, more solvable? Um, And so it's more trying to figure out uh, how do they work through the process as opposed to just getting to the answer.
1: Agreed. Yeah, that comes up a lot. Well, Corey, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Really appreciate the insights today. Thanks for sharing with
0: us.